should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Monday, Monday, the 18th of November. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Thanks so much for tuning in to Progressive Voices Network. I want to send an email out to the guys over at Progressive Voices Network because I think that now more than ever, we need to be supporting, you know, independent news organizations like Progressive Voices Network. I mean, so many of you, you know, that I see and read on Facebook and on Twitter are blaming mainstream media for what has happened. And I'm referring to the election results from last Tuesday evening in that President-elect Donald Trump has become president of the United States. Many of us are horrified, devastated, confused, sad, and scared. I think scared is a great word. Um, unsure of what our future may look like. Unsure of what, what, what progress will be undermined and or dismantled from what the administration of President Obama um, has done. And especially how that applies to LGBTQ people of color, especially African-American, especially Muslims, as well as Latinos, Latinas and the Latinx community um, concerned, obviously, with immigration issues. Uh, so there's a lot at stake now and a lot that we don't know. And while I, 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 I understand from presidential, I'm, I'm sorry, from political leaders who think that we need to give President-elect Donald Trump a chance, I understand that you have to continue with that narrative. You know, as a concerned citizen, as an everyday person that doesn't have the protections of, I guess, you know, lots of money in the bank and or uh, uh, just being a notable person, I'm going to have to live my life subject to violence, to racism, to sexism, to anti-LGBTQ or homophobic um you know, reactions to me because simply, you know, President-elect Donald Trump has ran on that campaign and it has incited and provoked the ugly, uh, the most ugly of this country. And so what you're seeing as far as the reports, uh, an increase of ra racist, sexist or anti-LGBTQ um, uh, uh, occurrences, it's all true. And, uh, you know, I've got personal friends, family members who have already been called names and, and racial slurs. It's ugly. It's really, really ugly. And so if you're tuning in right now and you obviously agree with me that all of this is just really ugly, just make sure that you tell your friends and your family to be safe, uh, to stay vigilant, though, and to connect themselves uh, as well as to mobilize to continue on the fight. Also, if you know or see someone who is being 
uh, violated against, uh, I would I would recommend that we all either a carry a whistle or you know make sure that you report it to law enforcement. These things cannot happen. I'm hoping that the violence will curb. I'm hoping that President-elect Donald Trump will stand up and actually say something to his supporters besides stop it, in which we've heard if you tuned in to 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl last night. And if you didn't, it's out there in the Internet now. Today, uh, President Obama is addressing his supporters. If you're a part of the Democratic Party, you received an email from Donna Brazil asking you to join in. And um, we'll, 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 we'll have a caller who will talk to us about what President Obama is saying to his supporters. Uh, But first, we will speak to Gregory T. Angelo, who is president of the Log Cabin Republicans, who's actually excited. I think he's the first person to tell me he's excited about uh, President-elect Donald Trump and what's to come. Let's get today's program started. Today's show is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Here's the interview with Gregory T. Angelo. Our special guest today is the president of the Log Cabin Republicans. And uh, for most of you who have tuned in before, Log Cabin Republicans is a nonprofit organization for LGBTQ Republicans. That's just it. And so on the phone with us is Gregory T. Angelo. Gregory, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Michelle. Also, we represent straight Republican allies of equality for LGBT Americans. Oh, thank you so much for the clarification. We are all-encompassing, all-inclusive. That's great. That's great. So, Gregory, how are you, first of all? And, uh, you know, how are you doing um, after the election results? I'm doing well. I mean, this is an exciting time. This isn't just an exciting time for log cabin Republicans, even though it's an especially exciting time for log cabin Republicans. I I mean, I think this is an exciting time for uh, America. Uh, And I would hope that... um, as time goes on and Mr. Trump delivers on his promise of being a unifier of all Americans, that we see an ease in some of the tensions that have erupted in the immediate aftermath of uh, the results from uh, last Tuesday's election. And we can see that we are in actually a position to grow as a country, to unite as a country more than we have been in the past. So I think this is, this is something positive that we should see and embrace. Uh, clearly, uh, there's a lot of wait and see that... Uh, we should be exercising, rightfully so, when it comes to Mr. Trump. But as Hillary Clinton herself said, we should all give our president-elect a chance. And we're excited to do that here at Log Cabin Republicans. Let's uh, sit on that. You say excited, but uh, I would say thousands, if not maybe even you know a million or so, people are not excited about the result. They're not excited about President-elect Donald Trump. And that has a lot to do with the platform that he campaigned on, which, you know, you're hearing the headlines, you're reading it, people are saying it, anti-LGBTQ, racist, sexist, bigoted, and so on. And with the current appointment of his transition team, uh, one would be able to you know, actually prove that that vision is true. How is this exciting? Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't view it in that way. I mean, I view Donald Trump right now as having to maintain uh, the campaign that brought him to the White House. That was a campaign that forced him by necessity to bring together uh, various wings of the Republican Party, uh, wings of the Republican Party that were seen as largely uh, opposed to one another. And um, I, I don't view things through 
racist lenses in that regard. I don't I don't view things um, as as Mr. Trump seeking to divide the country because he has said that that is exactly the opposite of what he wants. Um, he was bringing together people who are from the the more online grassroots uh, wing of the Republican Party, outsider wing of the Republican Party, and the establishment of the uh, Republican Party uh, as his senior advisor and as his uh, chief of staff, respectively. Um, now, again, I think it's it's important to underline the fact that we should exercise caution, but that doesn't mean we can't also be optimistic at the same time. And and that's where we're coming from as an organization at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the vice president, uh, uh, Mike Pence, has, uh, as we know, you know, from experience, has tried to pass laws, even in Indiana, that would prevent the LGBTQ community from organizing uh, against, uh, you know, discrimination, right, and religious freedom bills or businesses that would be able to discriminate against LGBTQ individuals. How do you process that and also support uh, this administration, the Republic? this Republican administration, while knowing that, you know, there is a chance um, that they would work hard to, to uh, you know, either dismantle the progress that this current presidential administration has worked so hard on? Well, I mean, number one, I guess two things. Number one, I would say that uh, the, the left is very fond of reminding folks that Mike Pence did sign into law Indiana's Religious Freedom Restoration Act, otherwise known as RIFRA, uh, that could potentially have allowed private businesses to discriminate against LGBT people. That's bad. Lockheed Republicans opposed it. We worked against it. And we were glad to see it amended. But it's exactly that amendment that many on the left completely gloss over, if not disregard, when they talk about Mike Pence. Mike Pence signed an amended version of RIFRA into law that said it could not be used to discriminate against lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender Hoosiers. And in so doing, he became the first governor of Indiana of either party to sign any sort of legislation preventing discrimination against the LGBT community. I'm I'm not sure he's exactly shouting that distinction from the rooftops, but nonetheless, if you're going to tell the story about Mike Pence, it's important to tell the whole story in that regard. Secondly, when it comes to uh, the potential federal passage of some sort of uh, religious freedom, uh, overly broad religious freedom legislation, uh, this is why I underscore the fact that the existence of and the work of log cabin Republicans is more important than ever. For years, Democrats actually were in a position to pass broad LGBT non-discrimination legislation, and they didn't. They didn't do it when they held the presidency, the House, and the Senate all together because they wanted to continue to use the LGBT community. Uh, to, they wanted the, the LGBT community to, to continue to be dependent upon them. And there is a danger right now that um, that advocates on the left will, even though they have no political capital right now, will not settle for any sort of a compromise when it comes to uh, LGBT non-discrimination legislation. Lockheed Republicans takes the opposite view that there can and should be a middle ground when it comes to um, recognizing the importance of religious freedom and recognizing LGBT non-discrimination protections. And there's a window to do that, and it's a window that only log cabin Republicans is working to achieve right now. You're, you're excited about, you know, the appointment of someone like Ben Carson, someone like Steve Bannon, you know, from Breitbart. You're, you're excited about those, those types of people who have been, you know, very anti-LGBTQ in a lot of ways? You know, Michelle, again, if you're going to talk about people who have been anti-LGBTQ who are being considered for 
cabinet positions in the Trump administration. You need to couch that with the uh, the pro-gay people <clears throat> that Mr. Trump has uh, has made a part of his transition team and who are potential cabinet appointments in his administration. People like uh, openly gay uh, entrepreneur and billionaire Peter Thiel, who is part of the executive team heading Trump's transition team. People like Rick Grinnell, the openly gay Republican who is under consideration now for uh, the ambassadorship to the United Nations. You know, if Mr. Trump appoints Peter Thiel or Rick Grinnell to uh, uh, cabinet positions, he'd be making history as the first uh, sitting president to have any openly gay uh, individual in his cabinet, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise. Now, you know, as you can imagine, this might rankle some on the religious right. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's emblematic of the fact that Donald Trump is running to be a unifier. The team he's surrounding himself with are people with different opinions. It's not as though he's exclusively surrounding himself with people with an anti-gay record. In fact, he's surrounding himself with a number of individuals who don't just have a pro-gay record, but who are gay themselves. That's something that's something to be excited about. That's something to celebrate. Well, I don't necessarily feel like Peter Thiel, someone like Peter Thiel, who's an out-gay billionaire, speaks for the millions of LGBTQ people here in this this country. Um, and so, you know, and, uh, my last... Because he's, simply because he's, he's, he's wealthy? No, not at all. Simply because of his position on uh, many issues. I mean, that does not include those who don't fall in line with his uh, economic interests. Um, you know, that that's plain and simple. It, it, to, to, to support someone like President-elect Donald Trump, I, I mean, I totally understand that we've got to give him a chance. We don't have we don't have a choice at this point. We we really don't have a choice. Um, it's better to to think about how we can come together. But yeah. uh, in the end, you know, the, this this entire campaign and his team have worked really hard to create a very divi- divided America. I I don't I don't think that we were as divided before Donald Trump came into the political scene. And so, in some ways, I wanted to ask you if you feel as president of the log cabin Republicans, if you have left, you know, if you've left out a lot of LGBTQ voices or people of color or women, and, and if you feel, you know, that you've let down the community in any way. No, in fact, quite the opposite. I, you know, quite the opposite. And I'll start at the top. I mean, and it's important to point out that log cabin Republicans did not endorse Donald Trump for president. We withheld our endorsement uh, from Donald Trump, uh, given reservations that we had about what a Trump presidency might look like. Uh, reservations that still persist, right? This is a man who's never held elected office in the past. Log Cabin Republicans was the only LGBT advocacy organization to come out strongly against Donald Trump's call for an absolute ban on Muslim immigration. When organizations on the left were sitting on their hands and not saying a word, Log Cabin Republicans was the only organization to come out and condemn that, uh, uh, th- that declaration because we understand that there are... LGBT Muslims out there, just as there are LGBT Jews, LGBT atheists, LGBT Christians. Um, I, I think that's telling. Log Cabin Republicans was the only center-right uh, organization to come out and stand up for all women in the aftermath of that uh, the Billy Bush tape controversy, the Access Hollywood tape controversy, saying that there's a moral obligation uh, inherent to conservatism that demands respect for all women. No organization in the LGBT advocacy sphere, whether Republican, Democrat, or so-called unaffiliated, has been more consistent in opposing Donald Trump when the situation deserved it 
and nor more consistent in offering him praise when the situation deserved it as well. Last question for you, Gregory, and thank you so much again for joining us here today. Uh, you know, I, I hear you in terms of remaining hopeful, um, but there are political leaders out there, and I, I guess I should say even LGBTQ leaders who have stepped up to the plate to say that if President-elect Donald Trump continues on the anti-LGBTQ platform, racist platform, and, and so forth and so on, and tries to tries to, to dismantle some of the progress that I talked about earlier, uh, you know, will log, in, log cabin Republicans uh, follow the same and stand up to Donald Trump? Yeah, you're dealing in hypotheticals, but if you and I don't like dealing in hypotheticals, but uh, I don't want to dodge the question. I mean, if you if you look at the, the past and the past of log cabin Republicans, not only during the entirety of my tenure here at this organization, but uh, which is now coming up on four years, but even during the tenure of my predecessors, log cabin Republicans has always stood up against Republicans who are not only preaching but trying to implement a. Uh, uh, a non-inclusive agenda. You know, this goes back to you know the last time Donald, uh, the last time log cabin Republicans did not endorse the GOP candidate for president was 2004, when George W. Bush was campaigning uh, f- in favor of a constitutional ban on marriage equality. Uh, log cabin Republicans stood up to George H. W. Bush uh, during the Republican convention of 1992 for failing to condemn anti-gay rhetoric that was being spouted from the main stage that year and in the divisive culture wars issue. Uh, I mean, you can just go through a, you know, a cursory uh, backlog of news releases and media hits on our website, logcabin.org, to see numerous instances where we stood, I've, I've personally stood up uh, against people like uh, Dr. Ben Carson, where he said being gay is a choice, or uh, people like Rush Limbaugh at times when he had, in his rhetoric, equated um, uh, uh, homosexuality to uh, raising the dark specter of being child predators. I've, I've always been consistent in standing up to the Republican Party when, when it required, um, in, some, in sometimes being a loyal opposition within my own party, but when, when, when push comes to shove, at the end of the day, I am a Republican, our members are Republican, and there's a reason why we are Republican. It's because we agree with far more in this party than we do not. Gregory, thank you so much again for joining us and for your voice. Thank you, Michelle. Anytime. Gregory T. Angelo, everyone. He's the president of Log Cabin Republicans. To learn more about what they do, head to logcabin.org. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. first conversation I typically have with someone who's depressed is to find their words around what that depression is like for them. What words can they put around it? What does it feel like? How can they talk about their depression in a way that helps them to reduce the stigma around that depression? When you do that, when you're able to actually look at it objectively and you're able to figure out what it is that you need from others around managing your depression, then I encourage people, go out and get it. Figure out a way to be involved in the community, to be connected to others, and to really understand that one of the ways to get beyond your depression is by talking to other people about it. 
If you sit on your feelings, if you can't talk about them, they're going to compound and be 10 times worse, 100 times worse. For those who are on the other side of it, maybe they don't struggle with depression, when a friend of yours or a mentor, an older gay man comes to a younger gay man or an older lesbian comes to a younger lesbian and says, I'm feeling depressed, recognize that that is very difficult for that person to say to you. Listen to them, understand what they're trying to say, ask questions, and really try to be there for that person. And, and try as best as you can not to limit their interaction with you or shame them in some way. And that's very important. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Monday. It's uh, November 18th and uh, about a week and a half until Thanksgiving, although I'm feeling so depressed. I don't even I don't even know if I really want to be celebrating Thanksgiving, although, you know, life cannot end here. We have to stay strong and and vigilant. I'm wondering what you're thinking after hearing those thoughts from Gregory T. Angelo. I think some of you might be shocked. Um, but maybe there's something to what he has to say, or maybe not. I don't know. Let me know at michellemeow.com. My next guest is Rick Heltman, and uh, I think that he just joined that call that President Obama made to all of, of uh, his supporters as well as the Democratic uh, Party. And so let's check in with him, hear his thoughts on the election results, and maybe maybe some words of encouragement or hope. Hi, Michelle. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for taking that time out. So what did you think of that call that President Obama made to his supporters? Well, I thought Donna Brazil, who actually arranged the call, and the president were very upbeat and very positive about how to move forward. And I do appreciate that message from both of them, especially from the president. Do you do you really do you feel you know hopeful? I, I know that he has been saying that since um, I think for him, even accepting you know President Elect Donald Trump, uh, I think he's the first of any of us to to kind of have the strength and the courage to do that while we sat in denial and shock and dismay. Um, I mean, I don't know how do we how do we move forward with with hope when even just listening to President Elect Donald Trump last night in his interview with Les- Leslie Stahl, uh, you know, completely boldface, you know, lie about some of his positions um, and playing dumb really on kind of what's going on in the country. Uh, my surprise is that you know the only thing he has to say to some of his supporters who've incited and provoked violence against communities is to just plain stop it. How do we have how do we have hope going you know forward from here? I'm 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 very uh, afraid of what's going to happen in the short term and in the long term. Um, I've been I was a delegate for Hillary in July. And I was also a delegate for Barack Obama four years ago in Charlotte. And I attended my first Democratic convention when I was a senior in high school in Brooklyn, New York in 1964. So I've been very active in the Democratic Party and the LGBT community and the women's and environmental movements for decades and decades. And... Donald Trump is anathema for everything that I have believed in my 50 years and more in electoral 
politics and public policy. Uh, I try to watch 60 Minutes, but I could only watch about 20 seconds of it. When I turned it on, he was talking about Roe v. Wade, woman's right to choose, doing away with it, and turning it back to the states. Even though I am a gay man, and I'm now 70 years old, Roe v. Wade has been my number one issue for the past 40 years. I lived during a time in the 60s before Roe, which got passed in 73, with the notion of back-alley abortions. Mm -hmm. The iconic wire hanger, for example. Mm -hmm. And I had many friends who needed abortions, and it was a hellish time for women, even privileged women, who I knew, and I'm from Brooklyn, New York, and lived in a very middle-class neighborhood, and it was hell for us. So I know what it is for women of color and women without financial means, and even now, Planned Parenthood is stopped in its tracks in 30 states. There are no clinics for reproductive rights in 27 or 30 states in the United States. And Donald has promised to revert Roe back to the states, which means a place like here we are in California will be fine because of Jerry Brown and the Democratic leadership. But nationally, it'll be even worse for women than it is way worse. Right. And I feel the same way about the xenophobia and the racism. You know, Donald may try to temper his horrific comments over the past year and a half, but his supporters are homophobic, racist, misogynist, um, and xenophobic. Let's talk about his supporters. I mean, you know, after the election, um, I was waiting for some words from even someone like uh, Senator Bernie Sanders to address the election results, and it sounds like he's now woken up uh, in some ways and addressing the fact that the Democratic Party has abandoned the middle class and the working class and that not all Trump supporters are racist and sexist, uh, xenophobic, homophobic, and all these things. But I challenge that. I, I think that even if you voted by ignorance, in some ways you're complicit to all those things. Uh, how do you feel about, you know, kind of what Bernie Sanders is saying and how we need to reorganize and regroup the Democratic Party? Well, I... I'm, I've been involved in the Democratic Party since 1964, and I've certainly been part of the effort to regroup it and refocus it. Certainly under Clinton and the Democratic Leadership Conference, going back into the 70s and 80s, and especially the 90s when Bill Clinton was elected, the Democratic Party has become very centrist. And so I support any efforts to make it more progressive. That being said, I did avidly support uh, Secretary Clinton for president, uh, and uh, the the fight between us Clinton supporters and the Bernie people, I kind of relate to Bernie. I'm an old lefty Jew from Brooklyn, in fact, from Bernie's neighborhood. You know, I sound like him. <laughs> you I, do. I, you can hear my Brooklyn accent, right? I've been here in San Francisco for 43 years, and I have still haven't lost my accent or my bad Brooklyn personality. But um, 
I, I, I admire the senator and his efforts and his supporters to make the party more progressive. On the other hand, I think it had some long-term negative effects. Hillary was beaten up on the right, and she was also beaten up on the left. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, I've been a member of the Harvey Milk LGBT Democratic Club for 36 years, and uh, the club early endorsed Bernie, and I was fine with that because the Milk Club and Bernie are a match made in heaven on progressive politics. Right. On the other hand, for me, I wanted to break that ceiling. I wanted to see a woman elected. I thought this woman was brilliant and intelligent and extremely liberal and caring and even as Barack Obama and Michelle Obama said during the campaign, you know, the most qualified person ever. And I'm just heartbroken that she wasn't elected. Right. My last question for you, and uh, we'll let you go. I mean, we just heard from the president of the log, of the log cabin Republicans, Gregory T. Angelo, who actually has hope for uh, you know President-elect Donald Trump. He's actually excited. He thinks it's an exciting time and that it's going to lead the country in the right direction. As a gay man who's also white and, is, like you said, he's worked in the Democratic Party, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm hopeful that, oh, God, to say President-elect Trump, to say those words, who would have believed in the past year and a half that? We'd be saying those horrific words, and I, I hope he will temper his uh, positions and be a little more embracing. At the Republican convention, Donald Trump did say during his acceptance speech, he mentioned the LGBTQ community. So, and and I imagine Donald, like most straight people, has gay friends and. Is, will be kinder than the rhetoric that he exhibited during the campaign. However, in economic and social policy in general, the Republicans in, in general and Donald Trump specifically are not helpful to to the, the progressive point of view that I believe in. I believe in not just being okay to LGBTQ people, but to support programs financially that help women and people of color and immigrants, and I'm just not feeling that from Donald Trump, but hopefully it'll be better than the rhetoric that he exhibited, the horrific rhetoric that he exhibited the past year and a half. And it seems like he's being a little kind, especially when he met with President Obama in the White House, but um, this is, for me, the worst election in my 70 years. Wow. wow. Yeah, this is, we've lost many elections before, but this man has expressed such terrible, terrible things about women and people of color and immigrants and multiple others. Exactly. How could this person be elected president of the United States? Thank you, Michelle. It was great being with you. Don't go away. When we come back, we'll switch it up a little bit. We'll talk about queer visibility and how important it is now more than ever. So stick around. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. 
And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Monday, November 14th. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. And uh, thanks so much again for joining me. I know that it's been a difficult time, especially for those who are deeply affected and horrified by the election result of uh, of the country. Um, America has elected Donald Trump as our new president. But, you know, we're, we're going to we're I think that the show is going to take uh, a new direction for the last 10 years, I've been producing this show for the LGBTQ community and providing a platform for the LGBTQ community to have an authentic voice, to be themselves. And I will continue to do that, but what I think uh, I need to do is turn our attention to to possibly also speaking to those who need the change. They need you know, the their hearts and their minds to be open. And so... Um, you know, what that means uh, remains to be seen and heard um, as I, I steer the ship a different way. In the meantime, let's continue being gay as bleep, <laughs> whatever you want. Um, you got it. So our next guest is going to talk about his project and how, you know, he's he's forging ahead in making sure that the LGBTQ community is as gay as possible out there, as queer as possible, um, and maintaining our authentic voices. So let's pot him up. Let's welcome Lestat Monroe to the program. Lestat, thanks so much for being here with us. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for taking the time to uh, speak with us. Uh, so I mentioned, you know, in the show here, um, actually, we're, we're all horrified by the current election results and I was looking up your Facebook and doing some research I think you're just as horrified as Americans are yes uh, I actually my, my, my family is Afro American my kids are born in the USA um, and uh, you know I've, I've, I'm personally I'm French but it, it touches me as much as you guys um, you know to me Trump didn't want the election um, Clinton won it two million voices about speak about it. It's, it's two, two million people different vote. I mean, it's like she got the election. It's just it's the it's the internal system, the way that you you know elect your president, which is mm-hmm. uh, and I, 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 for me it's a bit strange because in France we don't really have the same um, system of voting. But uh, I understand that the the college you call it collegio. Mm-hmm. The the collegio. The the yeah. the, what do you say in English? It's the collegio. The, uh, are you referring to the Electoral College? Exactly, yeah, the yes. Electoral College. Yeah, that's the that's the right. big difference. Right. But yeah, I mean, to me, the winner is Hillary Clinton. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, as I mentioned, um, what we can do to continue in this, uh, you know, Trump presidency era is to continue to be ourselves, to continue to be out and to be proud. Um, that's the best Definitely. thing that we can do and not, not you know, be afraid and not hide. And so I think it's perfect timing that we have you on the program. Uh, you're with Orthodox Calendar. So, you know, Orthodox Calendar in so many ways is is all about celebrating who we are in a, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> it could be considered uh, unorthodox in a lot of ways. Um, talk to us about the calendar and why it could uh, be somewhat radical, but yet celebratory of the LGBTQ community. Well, you know, in, in Eastern Europe, um, the LGBTQ community is um, not that uh, not that well understand and um, pretty much in the closet. 
depending on the country, situation is still illegal. Uh, I mean, we all know the situation in Russia. Uh, I'm lucky my family and I, we live in, in Romania, in Bucharest. Uh, so things are pretty legal. Uh, I would say it's an open-minded country, but every country where there is a huge influence of the uh, Orthodox religion, um, the LGBTQ population lives in fear. There's a huge influence of the church on them. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty common to hear that you can still cure um, you know, homosexuality with uh, electroshocks. Also, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've read that also in, in the in the in some newspaper, American newspaper lately. But uh, yeah, then some priests will go around and um, definitely um, have some exorcism uh, session on young kids that are homosexuals, for example. It's it, it's pretty. The, the, the situation. The, Further, you go to the east, and and worse is the situation. So, in in 2013, with all the all the the all the awareness that the the, the Orthodox Church from Russia was doing against the the LGBTQ community, we decided mm-hmm. to create an art project that will, you know, um, tell. Other countries, not just like Russia, but other Orthodox countries. Be careful, guys. You know, just don't don't give in too much the church in, in, into the church um, speech. You know, as you can be believers; it's fine, but you have to, you know, um, also listen to your heart, listen to yourself. Uh, it's not all black and white, you know. Uh, and we decided to create that project, which somehow uh, ironies a bit the situation of the. Uh, the the priests uh, the priesthood in the Orthodox Church what's uh, the, from a summer project yeah sorry no I was just going to ask I'm curious um, you know what's been the response um, we'll start with I know that you know Western LGBTQ media has picked up your project but what's been the response um, in, in Europe it, it was it was supposed to be a summer project in 2013 and uh, we contacted all our friends in the press locally in, in uh, in Romania, and you know, all gay friends that work in the press were like, "Oh, it's super! It's amazing! Great project!" Nobody, wrote, nobody wrote about us. Nothing in Romania. Uh, so we decided to send the the press release to uh, you know outside. So we started with the Huffington Post, and then things started to pick up. And strangely enough, you know, the the, the press from the Orthodox region. Basically, our understanding is that at the time they were scared of writing anything about the subject because they are still oppressed by the 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 the, pre- the, the oppression of the church itself. So that's why you know in the Orthodox countries we had really really little press about it. Now uh, the reception, um, I will say that from it goes it it really went viral in in America and also in Asia. Uh, for two different reasons, you know, um, your country is a country where there is a, a huge liberty of speech, and uh, and it, it, it was the, the 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 topic was coming up at the right time. Uh, in Asia, it was totally different. Just that the, the white male, because of the artistic pictures, uh, was really attractive to them. So that was a re- huge boom on it. Um, I will tell you that um, in the old Europe, like the, the Western Europe, um, like in France, um, the, 
we didn't have that much press about it because it, it was not you know the 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 at the at the time where that came up we already we also had some issues in France with the Catholic Church who were trying to pass the uh, uh the mariage pour tous as we call it so um i will say that um the best reception in in Europe was in Germany and in Spain mm-hmm. strangely have, enough, have you yeah. gotten any anything uh you know violent or extremely anti-LGBTQ or homophobic? Um, I think that the, 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 the press uh, kind of harassed a bit the Orthodox Church locally in Romania, and they came in order to not have to explain to people, well, look, guys, this is Europe. We cannot really do anything against these people. They are artists. They have the right to express themselves. They have a different opinion than us. They went on, on lies like um, saying that we were a Russian terrorist group hidden in um, Timisoara, which is the countryside of Romania, and that we were, uh, you know, making our pictures in countries that were not orthodox to contraattack the mother uh, church of Russia. Um, you know, besides this, every year we get hacked. The website is hacked by people. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides this, we have love letters from <laughs> headers. Uh, regularly on a regular basis on on our social media, but you know, of, of course, the first year you're like, "Oh my God, what have we done?" And you know, at the end, nothing really happened because you know, again, this is a project which is run from Europe. I will never have done done it in Russia, for example, because obviously uh, it will have been interdicted and will have been ending up in, in prison because the laws are not protecting uh, freedom of speech, for example. Exactly. Michelle Miao, we're speaking with Lestat Monroe, who's with Orthodox Calendar, and uh, it's pretty much a wall of calendars and videos that were first published in 2012 featuring nude and semi-nude photographs of members of the Orthodox Church. It's interesting, you know, we, we uh, are focused on um, the election of Donald Trump here in America, but yet uh, what we have heard time and time again throughout the entire election was uh, his relationship or possible relationship with Russia. And here I am talking to someone like you who is in Europe and has started this uh, very um, non-traditional, unconventional project of keeping queer images out there in the religious community. When we talk about you know, the Orthodox Church, I mean, uniting religion has been an effort of LGBTQ activists worldwide, that is, especially where one can still be persecuted for identifying as LGBTQI. Do you see, you know, your project, the calendar, as being a form of activism? Oh, definitely. Um, in, uh, the, it, it is a form of any art project about about the the subject is uh, a format of activism um you know uh, sometimes when when we meet some fans um when we're launching calendars and these fans come and uh come up with their parents and um they explain to us that they use the calendar to explain their parents that they were gay or that was the start of a conversation to tell their parents they you know they were part of the LGBTQ community. Uh, you know, definitely. Well, first we feel happy about it, uh, but it is part of um, uh, activism. Um, the, the the fight back against the church uh, throughout it is activism. Definitely, you know, it's it's uh, it's 
art is one of the the largest and the best way of expressing yourself against uh, oppression, against um, <laughs> simply against against the homophobia. Uh, I mean, it, my point of view is that it, it, the the art is a weapon against the homophobia from the church, definitely. Mm-hmm. Have you had any religious leaders reach out to you and say, you know, stop this? That, that it's a uh it's not, you know, great representation of, of the church? We, not in that sense, but on the other hand, we, we had some, we have actually in our team some uh, priests that are helping us on the work. We have Father Silas that has been, you know, is one of the pioneers of, of the project that has been helping us finding models and finding places and churches and altars and, uh, you know, as much as you can get involved uh, is, is, is always the first one to help. So, uh, yeah, the, so it, 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 was, it was a surprise at first, but, uh, and I think that the collaboration went really good because he's still working with us, um, you know, five years after. Uh, well, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program and for sharing the calendar with us. Uh, Lestat, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, obviously, I know you're going to continue this project. Um, and uh, you know, my feelings are that we, whatever it is, an art form, in actual you know, activism, we have to uh, keep our voices and our images out there. Um, you know, with the Trump presidency, or, or how are you feeling what the future might look like? Um. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much an optimist person. Um, I I think that um, I mean, on the Orthodox calendar project, we are not going to stop until uh, there is less pressure in in Eastern Europe from the Church. Um, you know, uh, about about the the, the, the sad sad results on the American uh, you know elections. Um, we have to stand still and. Um, they strong together, stick together, and it's only four years, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's you know the the best thing can keep in mind. It's only for four years. Lestat, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Michelle, thank you very much. Have a good night. Well, have a good morning, I guess. <laughs> your right now. <laughs> uh, thank you. If you're interested in supporting the work of Lestat and um, you know actually collecting some really cool art that is inclusive and supportive of the LGBTQI community, head to orthodox-calendar.com. Don't go away. When I come back, I will finalize the show with some thoughts as I've taken off pretty much a week since the election result from like devastation, depression, and for, you know, kind of feeling like the world was coming to an end. So don't go away. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. 
Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. -E Allegra Home Care serving your community. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me here on this uh, Monday, the 14th of November. About a week or week and a half or so left until Thanksgiving. And usually around this time, I'm jolly. I'm excited to be spending time with family. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, I feel complete devastation. And I'm so sick and tired, so sick and tired of people, you know, uh, politicians, leaders who are telling us to relax and or to have some hope uh, that President-elect Donald Trump will actually do his job or or at least surround himself with people who can get the job done. Um, no, 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 and no. There is no hope. It is absolutely reality. It's absolutely realistic. It is reality that I will be living in the next four years, if he makes it, you know, to, to four years, um, in, in, you know, a very hateful racist, sexist, bigoted, bigoted and, 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 and homophobic America. Uh, I can't see that he is going to do the job well for all Americans. And you can tell that by the recent appointments that he's made. I mean, he's got his vice president, Mike Pence, who's leading the transition team. And already they're calling for people such as Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, it feels really weird to be calling him Dr. Ben Carson, even though he, he got that accreditation and the reason being is because Ben Carson has just been so homophobic in his comments in his you know campaign trail when he tried to run as the Republican pick for president um, which didn't last long and and also they are selecting people like uh, Stephen Bannon, who, you know, is an executive at Breitbart. And we, as progressive listeners, we all know what Breitbart stands for. Um, <laughs> already, you know, major media outlets have described Bannon as anti-Semitic, a misogynist. Uh, how do I have faith? How do I have a little glimmer of hope? This team that he's already put together have all proven in their career you know, who they are. 
as racist, as sexist, as bigoted people, as you know, homophobic, anti-LGBTQ people. I have without a doubt that Mike Pence is looking to get his revenge because of the pressure that he faced when he tried himself to pass a, an anti-LGBTQ discriminatory bill in Indiana. Now, remember, the national outcry from that uh, resulted in him having to make amendments. And although, you know, Gregory T. Angelo from Log Cabin Republicans point, point, points that out, it doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that he was forced to in a lot of ways. You know, you had big corporate activists threatening to take money away from the 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 state you had political leaders who basically decried the action uh, you know and so it's not like there's hope here in my opinion i think he's going to mike pence that is is going to be very aggressive in trying to do whatever he can to limit the freedoms of lgbtq people so i can't sit here and have hope not to mention, you know, that there are several organizations, several protests, several, you know, mobilizing of Americans who are disappointed by the election of Donald Trump. And you, if you saw the 60 Minutes program last night with Leslie Stahl, then you would hear that Trump had, you know, not he tried to play it off like he didn't even know that a lot of these protests were happening. I mean, these are thousands and thousands of people and a lot of young people for that matter. And then to turn the switch on, on, on the other side, there have been reports of, you know, racist attacks, attacks on the LGBTQ community here in San Francisco. Even there was a uh, reports of a, a, a truck full of of guys who, you know, drove down the Castro screaming faggot. Uh, it's the Castro. It's the gay, iconic neighborhood. There's signs of people telling people to get out of their neighborhoods because Trump has been elected. And and when he was confronted by that from Leslie Stahl, you know, Donald Trump went on to say that he was unaware of, of these things happening. If they're happening, they're happening at a very low, you know, uh, uh, level, um, which it, to me, again, tells me he lives in a shell or I guess that's what, you know, Trump Tower is all about. So I want to play a clip here from last night in which, you know, his his only message to his supporters who are causing harm out there is to stop it. And in my opinion, as president of the United States, that's just not good enough. And I've been saying it. OK, don't be afraid. I want to ask you all about something that's going on right now around the country. A lot of people are afraid. They're really afraid. African-Americans think there's a target on their back. Muslims are terrified. I think it's horrible if that's happening. I think it's built up by the press because, frankly, they'll take every single little incident that they can find in this country, which could have been there before, if I weren't even around doing this, and they'll make it into an event because that's the way the press is. Do any of you want to say anything about this fear that's out there? I, I think the fears, you know, while they may be there, some fabricated, some not, uh, are totally unfounded. Do you want to say anything to those people? I would say don't do it. That's terrible. Because I'm going to bring this country together. They're harassing Latinos, Muslims. I am so saddened to hear that. And I say stop it if it, if it helps. I, I will say this, and I'll say it right to the camera, stop it. Let me ask whether... That's it. It's like, I don't know, puff the magic dragon. Stop it. And then it all goes away. No, Donald, that's not how it works out, you see, especially not 
not after the campaign you ran on, not after provoking, you know, the, the, the racism that has existed here in this country for over 200 years. And so for us, people of color, for Muslims, for African-Americans, for LGBTQ people, for women, and, and the fear that we have now under, you know, presidency, under your presidency, I should say, or, you know, the uh, Trump elected uh, presidency, we are afraid. And simply telling your supporters to stop it isn't good enough. That, to me, lacks leadership in, in a lot of ways. Um, the last thing I want to point out before I, I really, truly let you go is, you know, on the other hand, you're starting to see political leaders such as Senator Bernie Sanders come out and call for unity and call for, you know, the revolution to begin. And the revolution, in my opinion, would be his efforts to unite the middle class. Um, We obviously acknowledge that Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote. So you can't say that, you know, all Americans uh, stand with Donald Trump and his racist, sexist, anti-LGBTQ platform, and that there there is hope out there. But his opinion is that the Democratic Party has abandoned the middle class. And I understand why he's focused on that, but I also, from the perspective of someone of color and a woman and who has seen the Bernie Sanders rallies, we can't ignore the fact that even some Bernie Sanders supporters were racist. In my opinion, yes, the Democratic Party needs to reorganize and align themselves to also include voices of other leaders that can address the middle class. But also we need to address our own privilege and our own arrogance and not turn our backs on those who need who need the platform, who need to be included, who can talk to their constituents who are middle class, but also people of color. And so, you know, what I what I would like to say is that when I talked about how this show, I feel like I want to go into a different direction. My direction is that I, I can't do that anymore as a liberal, as a progressive, is abandon the areas of, of people that I need to talk to the most. And so that I have to be inclusive of the voices of those who did, in fact, vote for someone like Donald Trump, what are... What are their, you know, what are their fears? What, what, are, they, what are they concerned about? But, but also where are they getting their information? And, and what resources are they getting? And are they, are they being provided by, you know, the, the people that they need it most? So I, I, while I totally agree with Bernie Sanders, I, I also don't agree that we could sit here and not call out the racist, not call out the, the, the sexism and the misogynist within our own communities. We've got to do better. And, and this brings me back to listening to someone like Barbara Smith, um, who was a black feminist, an early activist um, in trying to include the black Afri- or the African-American female community into, you know, a civil rights movement. Um, is that what ends up breaking up movements like Occupy would be those things, racism, sexism, homophobia. We need to address those within our own party. We really do. Otherwise, um, we're just making it worse for everyone else. I want to thank you so much for joining me here on this program. If you have some thoughts, you would like to include your own comments or maybe even speak your mind, head to michellemeow.com. Don't go away, or I should say I will see you all tomorrow. Um, I'll be back tomorrow at the same time, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, here on Progressive Voices Network.